Welcome to Kashmir on the Air, your weekly radio program dealing with Kashmir matters for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashmir Magazine. And today we're going to take up a number of different topics. Uh, first, we're st- starting with something from last week. Are we up or we're not up? Nimsa? Okay. Oh, fine. Okay. So uh, we're taking up something which we touched on last week and the week before, the question of the pesticides on the different uh, vegetables that we eat and the fruits as well. Are we, up? Are we on the air? Okay, good. Okay, recording. So uh, the, the, the only thing I wanted to add to the discussion which we had was uh, a point that Rabbi Avigda Milazatzal used to make on a regular basis and which I heard on JRU today on uh, a tape that we're playing from Rabbi Miller, one of his shiurim. And it's a classic Rabbi Miller tape, as all of them were. Uh, there are thousands of them. And we, we showed the videos, as a matter of fact, of Rabbi Miller on a regular weekly basis. But what's, uh, what's very interesting is the topic that he talked about, which is Shmiris Haguf, protecting one's body. And he mentions that, uh, that the... The Rambam, when he codifies the halachas in, in his Sefer Mishnah Torah, so he has there the Hilchus Rotzeach and Shmira for the Guf, for the Nefesh, together in the same section. And the point being that if a person doesn't take care of their body, doesn't take care of their physical being, then in a certain sense they're a Rotzeach, they're a murderer. And the worst murderer is a person who murders himself because we're supposed to have more concern for ourselves even than any other human being. So certainly if a person doesn't care about himself, then he's even more guilty. He's a bigger rotzeach, a worse person for, for doing it. And uh, it's, it, now, the question is, uh, did the Rama wasn't talking about pesticides, but the point is that anything which could damage us, which we know could damage us, we have a responsibility to stay away from. But with Miller's basic concept that he likes to discuss on these kinds of topics is based on a posuk, which actually we did in the Daf Yomi recently, on Daf Tess and Mesech but the but the, the Gemara is discussing a posuk, Ivelas Odom to Salev Darko, Vial Hashem Yizaf Liboy, that the mistakes of a person himself, he sort of uh, pushes off on a Kaddish Baruch Hu and says that really, you know, he says, it's Hashem did this to me. And when in reality, it wasn't Hashem doing it to him, he did it to himself. And people have to realize that when they say, uh, I accept what you do, Hashem. I know I'm guilty. I know that I deserve punishment. I accept what happened to me. That's a beautiful thing on a certain level. But on this level, it's not good. Because what it means is that you're saying, Hashem, you did it to me when sometimes we do it to ourselves. A lot of times the things that we cause, physical problems we cause for ourselves, we're guilty of. It's not the punishment for not putting on tefillin, not the punishment for not, uh, for not keeping Shabbos a little longer. It's not the punishment for not washing our hands well for until you die. The problem, the problem is you put yourself into a sakana, in a danger. For example, a guy runs across the street and he gets hit. And he says, no, I accepted Hashem. Accepted. You ran in front of the car. Somebody, a child, Rahman Islam, falls out of the window. And you accept what happened to him. But 
whose responsibility is to make sure the window is protected? Everybody knows, you have a little safely realize that's the story. Put a seatbelt on a child in the car. Everybody knows about that. It's at least as bad as smoking. Much, much worse. You're just waiting for something to happen. People spill hot foods on on children, on themselves. They're not careful about this and not careful about that. And they say to Hashem, I accept the din. I accept your judgment, Hashem. There's an Avera I must have done. As Rabbi Miller says, the Avera was you weren't protecting yourself. So, now, as far as the pesticides go, my own take on it, and, and some of my listeners have different opinions, but my own take on it, the whole topic, was that the government's going to protect us. No question. The government wants to protect us if we're in danger. But the question is the quality of that danger. And one of the things that my takeaway from the whole topic was really regarding children. Because it seems that, I read that materials about that to the people listening last week, that the, the dangers with the, for the children are very severe because children are more affected by the pesticides than adults at, on a lower level. And therefore, it's, it's all the more important for them. So, well, maybe you'll say... I'll live to 150 before this damages me. Maybe you will. But a young child, his uh, body can be impacted very seriously from a smaller amount of pesticides, let alone if he has allergies of any sorts. But they said he has pesticides. He may have some kind of reaction uh, in his body that you don't have as an adult. And that's why we have to be especially careful. And I just want to throw one more thing out to all my listeners, and that's that when we, when we train our kids in our house, that's how they go into the world. If mom didn't uh, take care of cleaning the vegetables from the pesticides, then the daughter is not going to do it either. If mom did take it very seriously, the daughter in her house, with her kids growing up in her house, and Doris and Doris and Doris will be careful about these issues. So it's something for everybody to look into. I have no actual information, more than I share with you in the last two weeks. Uh, Rabbi, I want to, I'm glad to tell you that right now we also broadcast live on the TV stream, and you can just go to jerudradio.com and you see uh, the show live. Uh, beautiful, you know. Okay. So uh, to all our listeners, if you want to see Rabbi Wickler and the Kashrut program, you can see it uh, on the internet, uh, jrootradio.com, and you see the show right now. Okay, thank you for that news. Uh, but but I want to, I want to let all my listeners know that they're safe. They don't see through the telephone here. And even if you, if you call up with your questions, you will not be seen on the, on the screen. So don't worry about that. I want to share with you, uh, this doesn't affect me personally, and may, maybe many of my, re- my listeners, it doesn't affect you either, but it's a serious thing that happened, and I, want you to sh- I wanted to share it with you. And that is that the, the, the OK announced that the uh, Philadelphia, the, the Kraft Foods Company is going to start producing Philadelphia bacon cream, cream cheese spread. They're going to make now cream cheese with bacon in it. For all these years, I mean, it must be 20 to 30 or more years, Philadelphia brand cream cheese was always kosher. It wasn't Chal Israel, 
but it was kosher with the OK Labs. They, they, I remember their advertisements over 20 year, more years ago in all the publications. They took pride in the fact that they were a kosher company working very closely with the OK Laboratories. And now they're announcing that they're going into bacon. So, first of all, that's something that's interesting to me because I just wrote, read a story in our latest magazine, the, the one with the uh, kosher travel guide, which is out now in the stores. Uh, I wrote an article called Bacon, Faken, Schmaken, because actually there are three products. One's called bacon, but with three A's, and that's where they call it Bakken. And the other one is Faken. Bakken is under the star K. Faken is under a different Ashkochus. I forgot which one I think OU. And Schmaken is Treif. And a lot of people would think the, the Schmaken and Faken and the Bakken are all the same. And really, one is Treif and the others are kosher. And even though they're called Bacon or Faken or whatever it is, they sound like a, that. That's the way the world is going today. There's a tremendous interest in the bacon flavor. So much so that Philadelphia not only put in this, the main point is that all their cheeses that were always kosher are not going to be kosher anymore. So they, because it's in the same production lines. So what they're doing is they're going to continue some products that are going to be OK Lab certified. And they'll have an OK on the product. And the rest of the Philadelphia brand cream cheese spreads are all going to not be kosher now. They're going to, even if they don't say that they have the bacon flavor, they're made in the same equipment. So it's completely changed. And what we have to know is even if we're in Chal of Israel and we don't eat this, of course, if you do eat that, then you should know for the future. But if you don't, even you should realize that there's no such thing as a company is always kosher or a company's always under a certain hashkacha. A lot of times, the things change. They change completely. Now, why is it that in this particular case, they, they're going to continue some of the products as kosher and the others are not going to be kosher? I can't tell you, but my guess is that the equipment that's going to handle the kosher runs has nothing to do and there's no place near the ones that are going to handle the non-kosher runs. That's my I guess. I don't know. I didn't check it out. Maybe I'll find out for you people. But it's interesting that sometimes uh, there are different plants. One will be kosher and one won't be kosher. That's what happened uh, recently with the, one of the co companies that people are very familiar with uh, that, that has a uh, UMC. Uh, they like these little candies. The lemon heads, the this heads, that has all those little, the red, the, uh, the, the cherry things, all those little candies that cost about 25 cents for a little box. So now they're being made some kosher and some not kosher. Different plants, absolutely different plants. And that's what it is. And sometimes you have, uh, you know, certain beverages that uh, OK has such a beverage like that. Some people have with hashkocha and without hashkocha. It's the same product, but it's different plants. What we have to know is that every single package must be checked for the symbol. That's, that's the beginnings of our responsibility as kosher consumers. I thought you'd be interested in that information. And now, I'm moving along. I wanted to share with you today, before I get to my main topic, which is travel, and that we have interesting material on travel. But I'd like to discuss one more topic with you, something that came up in one of my shiurim this past week, and I think it was very, very interesting. I found out uh, a few things that we all really do need to know. And I, 
I'm sure by now most of my listeners know that there's a halacha called ben yomo and eno ben yomo, that if something has not been used for 24 hours, it's called eno ben yomo. And if it was used within 24 hours, then it's called ben yomo. But what makes something a ben yomo and a not ben yomo is a little more interesting than that. One aspect of it is, of course, it had to be actually used for that thing. Let's say I have a milchika spoon and I stirred water with it. That's not going to make it uh, ben yomo. It becomes ben yomo if I stirred milchiks with it. And a fleshik a spoon if I stirred fleshiks. And something that became treif if I stirred treif today. But uh, that's the way it becomes treif, or that's the way it becomes milk and fleshiks by actually coming in contact with that food. And in a hot fashion, we call kli uh, rishon, something that's on the fire or very hot. And it could be something, a dava harif, something that's very sharp. But those are the only ways that something could become fleshiks or milchiks or treif if it's hot or if it is very, very spicy and, uh, and, and very sharp. So those are the two ways that something could become a ben yomo. So you might have a ben yomo milchiks, a ben yomo fleshiks, a ben yomo treif. Then what's the difference to us? Because in eno ben yomo, something was not used for 24 hours for milchiks or for fleshiks, could not make the other thing treif. If you stir a hot cholent with fleshiks in it, with a milchik a spoon that wasn't used for 24 hours, the cholent is kosher. Simple. If you ain't a ben yomo, is not going to make the thing treif. So that's very, very important us to know whether this thing's ben yomo. And every rov is going to ask the question, is that kli a ben yomo was used within 24 hours for milchiks or for fleshiks? That's Everybody knows that without me talking about it. But there are two things that I learned, actually we knew before, but we reviewed last week in the Shear on Thursday night, in my Basabachov Shear, which are very, very interesting. One of them is that when do you start counting the 24 hours? So you would think, well, I had it on the fire, I took it off the fire, so uh, now you start counting uh, from 615. Uh, tomorrow at 6.15, at this time, it'll be Eno Ben Yomo. And the answer is no. It doesn't work that way. You turn the fire off, you finish cooking, but it doesn't work that way. It comes from the time that you take the food out of the pot or the food cools off. Because all the time that the food is hot, then that's still considered cooking. So, for example, and a lot of times this happens, you leave a cover on. You took it off the fire, and then you think, well, I remember I finished cooking at 6.15. Yeah, 6.15 you finished cooking on the fire, but you took it off the fire, you had a cover on, it probably went another 15, 20 minutes after that time where it was still hot enough to be considered continuing the cooking. So now my 24 hours starts from the time that it's no longer hot. It's lukewarm then it's going to start. But always when it's hot, that's continuation of the cooking time, even if it's not on the fire. The other thing that we learned, which was very interesting, is that every piece of equipment has two sides. Let's say a fork. The fork has the prongs and has the handle. So it's one fork. No, it's two forks. It's the handle and it's the prongs. If you stuck the prongs into a, uh, into a, uh, a piece of uh, uh, meat and it was burning hot, so now 
if, I'm not telling you to do it, but if you use the back of the fork within the 24 hours, we would not consider it making a milcha thing treif. Let's say, for example, if you stirred with the back of a fork, you stirred, let's say, hot chocolate milk, it was on the fire, you're not going to stir with the, the side with the, the prongs, you stir the other side. And it doesn't touch anywhere where any of the meat touched. Al pi halacha, after the fact, many people, maybe not everybody, would say that the thing is not a ben yomo. Now again, it's a ben yomo for the incoming, but for outgoing, it didn't come in contact with that side, and most people hold that there wouldn't be a problem b'diyevet. Now again, I can't do it, but we're talking about b'diyevet. So that's a very, very interesting two halachas about ben yomo, which uh, again, it, a poisek has to decide the final halacha, and maybe and maybe he wouldn't require he wouldn't hold by either one of these kula or the chumra that we mentioned today, but still in all they're very interesting. And now we come, uh, we're going to start in one minute to discuss about our travel travel for the summer, and I'm going to do that in just a minute. Before I, before that, I just want to say a few words about Glatmart. You know, Glatmart is conveniently located at 1205 Avenue M. And located here in the Flatbush area, right near the uh, where we, we were producing the show, and they've been servicing the community for 35 years. Whenever you think of Glatmar, you should think of price, service, convenience, and quality. Whether you shop for a few items or a full wagon load, you can save plenty of money in in the Glatmar. And conveniently, if you like to park, you can use their 12th Street entrance and come down there and leave your car at the valet parking service, and they'll have the car ready for you to load up with those wonderful items you purchased in the store. And here are some of the items that are going to be on sale starting on Wednesday. Klein's Craisins, $3.99 a pound. Vinyl gloves, 100 count, two boxes for $5. Mendelssohn's Pizza Bagels, $3.49. Mahadran Cottage Cheese, $3.49. And in the meat department, for $7.99, you can get corned beef deckle or family packed filet steak. For $6.99, you can get family packed extra lean shoulder ground beef. And for $11.99, you can get second cut veal chops. These are just some of the wonderful prices at Glotmart. And at Glotmart, you're getting quality kashmas. Their meats are A1. And they have the hashkocha of the Star K and the Vatakashas of Flatbush. The meats are base Yosef, and they have expert Nikur making sure that you're getting quality kashras at Glotmart. Glotmart is at 1205 Avenue M. Meeting your shopping needs is their top priority. If you meet Dove in Glotmart, tell them you heard about Glotmart and Kashras on the air over J Radio. Or maybe you saw us uh, over the new J Radio. Um, jwoodradio.com televised uh, program that we have here tonight. Now, I got a call, and the call came last week. Somebody was going away, spending a week away with a family. Usually he doesn't go away, but once a year he takes a trip with the entire family, and he wants to know he's going down to a certain place far away from here, and he wants to know, Rabbi Wickler, I have your guide, the 2014 kosher travel guide, which is to 283 different cities across the United States of America. 
I have your booklet, and in there you have uh, 136 pages filled with information about different communities. Can I rely on everybody? Can I use everybody over there? Can I eat in all these places? That's the question. Everybody has the question. Well, on the top of the, every single page in the book, it says kosher standards vary across, across the country and kosher supervisions do change. Appearance in this guide should not be construed as a recommendation by Kashus Magazine. Consult your rabbi or vad for specific recommendations. Well, if that's so, then the whole thing's a fake. You're putting out a book. You're saying, a, you're saying it's a guide. You're saying it's a 2014 kosher travel guide. And then you're telling me every page, consult your rabbi, and you don't have any responsibility. What, what good is it? I'll have more money back. That's what you might think. But the answer is that we have to put that up there because we can't take responsibility for everybody's kosher standards. There are people listening to this show now that will not eat in the other people's houses. And there are some people here who were clueless about when I talked about Ben Yomo and other people who could quote me more, more commentaries than I did on the Shulchan Aruch. So reality, everybody is different. And everybody has to make their decisions about kosher standards differently. And therefore, it's not our responsibility to decide for everybody what to do. But yes, the answer is, to a certain degree, what goes on in this booklet here, we have researched to a certain level. We don't include all communities. We don't include every hashkacha. We don't include all of the restaurants under every hashkacha. Now, obviously, if we only have one or two restaurants, maybe that's all they have in that town. We also might not have one or two restaurants because we may not like some of the other restaurants or because that's the information that was given to us. It doesn't mean anything bad. But if something is here, it does mean something good. It's just that everybody has their own standards, and I wouldn't take the responsibility to say that we've researched it by visiting the back of every one of these restaurants across the country. The 283 cities represents maybe 500 uh, different places of food in here, and there's no way we would have gotten to those 500 places in the course of the year. I would need a few years to do it. There's no way we could have possibly researched that. We don't promise you that, but we do promise you that we've gone through the thoroughly, that we're giving you updated information, that we have responsible conscious organizations on a certain level. How does one determine the answers for themselves about what they would like to use? We've discussed it here many times. And the simplest answer is you can go to the website, crcweb.org, crcweb.org, I'm sorry, .org. Uh, crcweb.org has a list of different cashless agencies. They say other cashless agencies. And there is a hundred and something different cashless agencies listed there that they consider to be recommended. In addition, if you look into the ACO organization, the Association of Cashless Organizations, their membership is over a hundred organizations. And that's another standard that you could use to, to gauge for basic standard of cashless here in America. That they're more or less doing, we call the uh, American standard of cashless. What about beyond that? Well, we can't tell you. It's very hard. Your own rub has to help you, or you have to investigate by asking questions. I got a call from one of my Talmudim who likes to make trips out of town. 
he's been in more places, well, it's meant not more than in the book, but he's been in many, 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 many of the states in the United States of America. And he's visited a lot of interesting places. And there was a place that was right here, within driving distance, that had a restaurant that he was very desirous of visiting. So he called me up, Rabbi Wicker, what do you say about this? I said, listen, I can't tell you. You have your own responsibility, your own decision. And you, and you have your own standards. It's not fair for me to put it on you. But I'll tell you a few questions to ask. And we went through a few questions. And he made the call. And here's what he heard. There's no mashkiach there. The restaurant, no mashkiach. It's not fleshiks. It's not even, it's dairy. And then, okay, it's dairy. The rabbi's in the town. He, he says he comes by a lot. Okay, fine, wonderful. It's owned by non-Jews. Okay. It's open on Shabbos. Okay. And in addition to that, they make their own cheese. The non-Jews make their own cheese, which they have in this particular restaurant, which is in this town with this rabbi who lives there giving the hashgacha. It's not a standard. It's not a standard. It's not an orthodox standard. That uh, Relying on Gvina Sako, it's not an orthodox standard. This is not acceptable. And yet, this is what the rabbi does. Is he in our book? You can be sure he is not in our book. We did not put him into this book. We do not have his name in the book. We do not have his synagogue. We have his town, but we don't mention him, and we don't mention his synagogue, and we don't mention the restaurant, and we wouldn't. Even if we didn't know, we have an understanding of where he's holding. Now, that, does that prove anything? No. It means everybody really has their own responsibilities. We have a community here. It's out of town. And they have a place where you can buy bagels. The only place in town to die, buy bagels is a Trefa store. The bagels are made kosher. The rabbi watches it. It's done properly. But the, the store sells non-kosher. And if you want to, they'll take your bagel, cut it with a knife, and put ham or something else, or ham and cheese, make a sandwich for you. They'll, be able, they'll do it for you. And yet the rabbi gives hashkacha. And we mention in here that in that store, the bagels are kosher, but the, the store is not. You may not want to go in there. I can understand that. Unless you think this is a rare thing, right here in Brooklyn, not more than a few feet from where we are right now, that such a store exists. And it may, it's a non-kosher store, and they make bagels, and they have ashkacha. And not only that, but somebody had the chutzpah to claim that I told them they could do it, which of course is not true. But I just want you to understand, you do have to do something, no matter what you do. Even I can't help you to that extent. Yes, we research what goes in here. Yes, we take a certain level of responsibility to say that these hashkachas are trying to do the American standard of kashras. Are they equal to the OU? No. They can't be equal to the OU. The OU will not take a restaurant, a, a bakery, a, uh, a dairy restaurant, a fleshiger restaurant without a mashkiach tamidi. And many, 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 many rabbonim, many hashkachas have no mashkiach in a milchiger place. They want to have a shomer Shabbos on the premises. 
he may be upstairs working on the books. And I, I know that for a fact that sometimes the accountant is the Shomish Shabbos on the premises. Very rarely does he step downstairs where the uh, food is being cooked. A lot of times we have that situation. So there are different, situ- different standards, and everybody does have to take their own responsibility in determining what to use. In the future weeks, we're going to have some visitors. We're, on the, on some, we're going to have some guests, uh, maybe some in person, but some on the phone, which are going to be discussing their communities, people who are in this book, and maybe some that are not, for your traveling suggestions for the summer. I have one set up right now, but I don't want to mention it because it's two weeks away. But let, let us, if you'd like to call in now to ask your questions, you can reach us at 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858 if you'd like to discuss your questions. I would prefer talking about travel and the standards of outside New York City. That's what I prefer talking about. But if you have a question or a comment on any topic on Kashrus, you can call us now at the studio, 718-683-5858. And if you'd like to text us, you can do that by texting us at 347-927-8398. 347-927-8398. Or call us at 718-683-5858. And until we get some callers, well, that's, I see that's starting to call in, I just want to mention a, uh, okay, we got a caller already? Okay, we'll take the call. Okay, you're on cautious on the air. Hello? They're there? Okay, I think yes, we're going I the wrong direction. Have, we have the hello? person there or not? Okay, you're on cautious yeah. on the air. Can you hear me? Absolutely. I have a question. I have some family in England. So in England, even the very Haredi people use what they have uh, called a list, where they have a list of the products that the products themselves do not have a hefsha on them, but uh, the Yiddish community has a list that they use in determining, you know, which is good, which is not good. And I was a little bit surprised because even uh, sort of the products that you would expect that they uh, uh, would have a hashkaka such and such. So what is, what is your question? What's your point? My question is, when I go to England, can I rely on these lists? Okay, you shouldn't. Uh, unless you have from a very Haredi group. I'm going to explain to you why. Now, you're not going to believe what I'm telling you, but I'm telling it to you. The head of the C of the uh, London Jewish, um, the, 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 I'm sorry, not London Jewish. I'm confusing the London Bethdin, Rabbi Conway, who gives hashkacha for all of London and the uh, under the hashkacha of the KLBD, one of the most well known in the world, one of the top hashkachas in the world, one of the well, best known. There are other groups in England that are very, very, very responsible and, and, and very strict, even stricter than the London Bethden. But this is a very well-known hashkacha, and they put out uh, a booklet every year called the Really Kosher Guide, I'm sorry, the Really Kosher Food Guide, something like that. And it's a little booklet with all the different foods that you could eat, and they even have a special one for the children for the, for the candies and the nash. And what Rabbi Conway told me is 
please try to convince the people not to rely on these booklets. These booklets are set up, they told me, for the people who are in the outlying communities who cannot get certified kosher food. But those people who can get kosher certified food should get it and not rely on these lists. And if you have... Even though the from people eat... I'm going to answer you because I, I, there's more information I'm trying to give you in a minute. Right. Now, the, the lists that they have are constantly changing. It can one week it could change. And then, then one week to the next. They're constantly changing and they're sending out blurbs and putting up signs and ads in the paper and changing that what says in there is no longer recommended. This became milk. I'm just going to read to you now because you mentioned it. I'm going to read to you now from my upcoming um, Kashrus Monthly for the month of June, which is going to go out this week. A little late. Okay? So I'm reading to you now from something that they wrote. Ricola herb cough and throat drops. Now, that's something that everybody in America asks me about, the Ricola drops, right, those herbal things. Mm-hmm. They, they, na- they make dairy products in addition to the uh, Parva ones. And I got a call, how come does it say Parva on my thing? The answer is it's probably par- dairy equipment because they do make dairy. And the dairy products, the ones that are actually dairy, are listed, uh, uh, they're found on page 46 in the Really Jewish Food Guide. 2014 from the London Bethden. And what do they say? All the dairy, Ricola herb, cough, and throat drops are not recommended. They just changed from being recommended to being not recommended. So it, it, I don't know if it affects uh, the equipment that the other things are being made on. I don't know. But they say the dairy ones should not be used. So you see Even that... the ones that have a sticker, some of them have I didn't a say, I, I'm not, sticker. Not, Everything, it, I, that part I cannot answer because without speaking to the rabbi who does Dashkoch, I wouldn't be able to tell you if he certifies the dairy ones. It's possible he certifies them. It's possible he doesn't. I don't know right now. But I'm just telling you a fact that they just made that announcement. So you can't live that way. Things are constantly changing. That's number one. Number two, and I told you, no, actually, number one was that they told us not to rely on the list. They're made for outlying people. They hope that the kids won't rely on it. They asked me specifically to tell people not to rely on it. And the third thing, or the fourth thing, or whatever we're up to now, is the fact that there are different lists. If you get the list from Manchester based in, they also have a list. But it's a different list. And from, or from Gateshead, it's a different list. Is and there any list that you would specifically recommend or endorse? I, I can't endorse anything, but I could, if, if you want to, to get the most Haredi approach, you'll go either to the Manchester Basin or to the, uh, to, to the uh, Gladeshead uh, Basin. They're listed in my book with all the kosher symbols. And uh, Kedasi also is another choice, but I would say if you want the Frumist, you're going to take either Manchester or Gateshead, and you're going to have a very nice, reliable list that the Hamisher people are using over there. But other than that, I wouldn't suggest these lists at all. They're put up as a way of helping the people in outlying areas where they can't easily get kosher-certified products. Thank you very much for the call. Thank you very much. Okay, we have another call. Go ahead, you're on Kashmir Can I help you? Yes, I have a great show. Thank you very much. 
Um, quick question. Um, when I, I travel to China and I eat strictly a vegan raw diet, um, now I know a lot of halakha regarding fruits and vegetables, you know, everything's got to be washed, except for bugs, everything. But let's say about herbs. I, I can't talk about other countries. I would just tell you that you should be getting Rabbi Vaya's book. We sell that, but you can buy it in the bookstore also. Rabbi Vaya's book is, tells you what's going on in the whole world. He discusses Europe, he discusses uh, Israel, he discusses America. Now, he doesn't specifically discuss China, I don't think, but you can get an idea of what's going on in the rest of the world. And every single thing, herbs, fruits, vegetables, anything that you would put in your mouth, uh, he has in there how it can become, uh, and it, how much of an issue it is, how to check it, and this is what everybody uses today. That book is worth every penny, and you're going to use the rest of your life. And and even with the changing lists and hashkachas and everything throughout the world? Again, I don't understand. We're talking about vegetables and fruits and nuts. What do you mean about the changing hashkachas? Well, you're saying that, like, everything's changing nowadays. So, you know, with everyone's list of hashkachas and, and, you know, what's kosher, what's not, you know, for things like Oreos. Oreos are now parv, quote-unquote. Yeah, but you were talking. Um, I thought you were talking about. I thought you were talking about insect infestation. Well, that, that I, I understand about. So I'm very careful about you that. You want to know? I, I buy raw food and check that no. myself. Okay. So in terms of hashkachos, the, what you do is, and I've, t- I've taught this many times. What you do is you take one hashkacha you rely upon, and then ask them about the others. A lot of them they will know, and a lot of them they won't know. But the hashkacha that you rely upon is your standard. And that's where you, mm-hmm. you can get something that will give you a pretty good idea whether group A is like group B. Because they, hashkachas themselves, know that. Okay? Thank you very much okay. for the call. And Thank you. Okay. Before we go on, I just want to tell everybody who's listening that we're going to re- offer to you, which is that if you want to get this book free, 136-page, 2014 Kosher Travel Guide. All you have to do is call us at the office, 718-336-8544, or email us at kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com, and we'll put you on the list of of, of subscribers. We'll send you this book, and if you, you pay for the subscription for a year, and if you decide you don't want it to continue it, any time up until the week before September, when we mail the next issue, you can cancel your subscription and keep this book absolutely free. So it is a free gift, and it's an add-on to the subscription. So it's actually an eight ninety five gift from us to you. So if you're interested, 718-336-8544. And Kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. We have more callers. We'll take the next caller. Go ahead. You're on Cassius on the air. Can I help you? I think we lost him. Is he there? she there? Here? Hello? No. Okay. Another caller. You're on Cassius on the air. Can I help you? Yeah, if you're traveling and you need a stop off by this rest stop, and if you buy a soda and it doesn't have action on it, but usually the sodas are kosher, are you allowed to drink it? Oh, we get that, ask that question all the time. And yeah, he hung up too. I feel sorry. Okay, the answer to that question is a little bit, uh, 
a little bit uh, more involved. He asked a question about, I would assume, a soda fountain, uh, soda, one in the can, because if it doesn't have Ashkocha on the can, then it's not on the Ashkocha, except if it's like a, a Pepsi or a Coke, one of those brands that are made kosher all across the country, even without a, a certification on it. A little more complicated to explain. We've done many times. If you have a question on it, you'll contact us. But if, there's a, if you're talking about a soda fountain, no, the soda fountain needs hashkocha because they could put anything in there. We've said it many times that if it's cold and wet and it tastes like a cola, people are going to think it's a Coca-Cola. And if it's this and that, if, it's, if it's a, it tastes a little bit like a, uh, it tastes like a, uh, an orange juice and it's got an orange color and it's cold and wet, you're going to think it's a sun-kissed, whatever it is, or some, other, some other popular brand. In reality, it may not be. To save money, they may, they may uh, put something else and substitute. How do we know? Because the people who sell these to the stores told us this, that they actually found out this is what people are doing. They're cheating. Now, how often do they cheat? I don't know. I didn't do a study. I can say one thing. I'd rather buy something with Ashkocha. There's so much available today with Ashkocha. The beauty of America is you can go anywhere in the country, all 283 places. You can go into a supermarket and you can find things to eat. I, with all my chumras and mishugasim, I could find something to eat over there. I would take fruits and I would take vegetables. I could get nuts and I could get things. I could get so many things there that I would eat without any problems, without any bedikas toloyim, without anything, without any concern. I could have a full meal. I couldn't get everything? Okay. So for that, there's a lot of packaged products. And in today's world, you can almost get anything anywhere. It may cost a lot more out of town, but you could really buy a lot of Hamish products all across the United States. Okay, another caller. Go ahead. You're on Kashrus on the air. Can I help you? Hello, Rabbi Wickler. Yes, go ahead. <clears throat> yes, uh, I called you last week and two weeks ago. Right. I just want to thank you very much for being open-minded and the whole day is open-minded, and uh, you don't call people that that uh, that disagree with. Uh, <laughs> with, with of course not. Call them okay. conspiracy theorists and all <laughs> this kind of. You see, by smoking and by DDT also. Yeah. And by smoking was 40 years until a whistleblower brought out uh, uh, papers that showed that they knew all along that it was uh, that, uh, that that it was bad, and the same thing with DDT. DDT also it took 10 years. Till, till uh, uh, somebody, uh, a whistleblower, showed that DDT is so dangerous that they have to take it off the market. So That's why a person has to look in the future. I mean, as we talked about, in other words, it could be that people like you are overly cautious. But on the other hand, my, my kid's health is worth everything. Yeah, and we're not talking about being cautious. We're, talk, uh, we're talking about people doing their own research, right. not not just believing because because uh, somebody that has a lot of money says that their product, just like you don't believe by by kosher, uh, by kosher things, you don't believe just that the company says so. Yeah, you need a, a mashgiach and everything right. to, to to make sure that it's taki kosher because in the picture. If somebody has makes money on it. And especially, <laughs> it's talking about tzaddikim and chachum, and these people are more into making so, money, and they're not. So, 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 so maybe. So maybe you would take a little time out and either send me an email or or, or call me up and give me 
specific places to go further in my own investigation, which I can report to the people. Okay? Yeah. okay. Thank you very much well, for calling. I'm just saying that I appreciate okay. that, that, that you didn't just blow it up. No, 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 I wouldn't like, do that. Like, like I wouldn't do that. Thank so you very thank much you for the call. Really have a good evening. Well. Okay, we have another caller. Go ahead. You're unconscious on the air. Can I help you? Go yeah, ahead. Well, I had, yeah, I had a question that what's called the certain restaurants <coughs> that I heard the certain Hashem that have a problem because the Hashem gives to a lot. He gives to too many. He gives to too many restaurants. That means it's too many. He gives to too many places. Is there such a problem? Okay, this is a very good question, and it would take at least a show to discuss. Let me try to give you a little bit of an understanding. If, if the Mashkiach, if the Rav HaMashir has to visit every place every day, and he has to be the Mashkiach too, it's impossible. So he has a Mashkiach, right? Whether he has one store or five stores or 500 stores, he has a Mashkiach. Now, he sets up a system. If he has a lot of places, like the OU, for example, the OU has thousands and thousands of plants. They have thousands of mashkichim. They have hundreds of supervisory people. They have a staff in the office that is uh, floors, different floors that are of staff in Manhattan running the hashkashras in the country. They set it up in a certain tier system that the people who are the head of it maybe one or two gentlemen over there, they're the, the top of the Hashkocha. Then they have people who are beneath them, a few people who have senior representatives uh, that were doing Hashkocha for many years with them, and they have underneath them uh, a multi-tier system. They have a system where they have individual rabbis in the office, they're working under them. So there's crew leaders, there are teams, and, there are, and, and under them, there may be five or six or ten different Rabbonim. And then under the Rabbonim are the field representatives and Mashkichim that report to the Rabbonim. So it's a system. The head of the OU has probably not been in five plants in the last ten years. He doesn't need to go. He has a system. A bi- a good, a, a, it's not the number of Hashkachas, it's the quality of the system. If the system is good, it's very good. Now, I'll tell you what one Rav told me. He said, I tell the people who work with me, it's your Gehenna. You're responsible. You have to report back to me. You have to visit, you have to go, you have to give your reports in. And if anything is wrong, you're going to burn. That's how he talks to them, and it gives them a feeling and empowers them. They're independent in a certain sense. On the other hand, they know that they can't just blame him anymore, that they have to take responsibility. And these are people that he has respect for for years of working with them. He can rely on them. What else is the system? There isn't anybody except if you have one store. Now, there's a couple of people who visit their stores every day, but they still have mashkicham there. There's, not, there's no such thing as not having a mashkiach. So everybody has a system. The question is whether the system works. It's not the number of Ashkachas, it's the quality of the system by which you're running it. Okay? Thank you very much for the call. We have any other calls? No. Okay. We have some texting in here. Anybody would like to uh, call us? It's 718-683-5858. You can get on right now. There's nobody on the line right now. And if you want to text us, it's 347-927-8398. We'll take this one here. Is it allowed to buy unflavored coffee without a hechshav from Starbucks? So 
the point is like this. And you say, a coffee. Starbucks is complicated. There's a lot of things going on in Starbucks. And there's no such thing as a coffee. That, that's, you can find in a, in a restaurant, a, in a, a stop on the highway, you can find a, a coffee. But in Starbucks, you already have a presentation. You have a barrister. You have a person standing there making your kind of coffee. And everyone is different. The best thing that I can recommend to you is go to one of the websites, either stark.org or crcweb.org. And both of those have very clear instructions of what to do when you're going to Starbucks, what you could eat, what you could drink, and what you couldn't drink. And they clearly uh, describe it. I recommend either one of those is going to be fine. I like the the CRC one, but you can go to the Star K one. Either one is fine. Another, yes, go ahead, another caller. Okay. You're on Kashrus on the air. Can I help you? Yes, I have a question about Kashrus regarding a lot of these are convenience stores. They sell these uh, packaged cookies, usually about three in a pack. Okay. I think the manufacturer is Linden. Who? I think the manufacturer is Linden. Okay. And the, the, the Hefsher is a K with the flame coming out of the top. So what should I do? Put the, fla- that- put the fire out? You want me to put the fire out? I can't, <laughs> I can't comment on the radio, on, the sh- on our show, on J-Root. I cannot comment. Wow. I cannot comment on individual hashkachas. We're not here to say this hashkacha is good or that hashkacha is good or this one is bad. We don't give out recommended and not recommended hashkachas. That's not our purpose, and not in the magazine and not on, on, on J-Root. And... Uh, each person could decide with the consulting with their abundant, etc., but we can't make a statement. And I want to make it clear to everybody, again, something we said a few minutes ago, but it really does have to get into our brains. And that is that there isn't just one answer. There's different standards. The way people look differently, their mind works differently, and they're their degree of commitment is different. And you can't expect that everybody is going to be a moise nefesh the way another person is. Have you ever thought back to what happened in World War II in the Holocaust? This person saved people at the cost of his life. This person did this and did this mitzvah at the cost of his life. Or he could have lost his life. Would we do it? I've often thought about it. None of us know what we would have done. And everybody's commitment is a different level. And therefore, we can't make one size fits all when it comes to Kashvis. Okay, go ahead. You're on Kashvis on the air. Can I help you? Yeah, hi. I wanted to know what's the meaning of the K on Kellogg cereals? Okay. Okay, let's answer that. The K on Kellogg cereals. First of all, um, you should understand that Kellogg's is a company that for some reason or other has decided not to put the hashgacha on the packaging. Why they decided to, I don't know. It was the old way people didn't put it on the packaging. It could be that they didn't put it on the packaging because they, uh, they, because they, they could be they, put it on the, they didn't put it on the packaging because they, they wanted people uh, not to see a, an OU or an OK mm-hmm. or another hashgacha because they felt if you'll see that, some of the people in America who are anti-Jewish, anti-Semitic, they will see it and there's a backlash. 
they won't buy it. So the less they say about kosher, the better. That's the, some people used to do that. In addition, there's another secret that I may be not thinking about, is that if the hashkacha decides to drop them, or they decide to drop the hashkacha, they have hundreds of thousands of dollars of packaging tied up with that hashkacha on it. And if they don't use it, that's a big loss for them. So to protect themselves, they won't put the hashkacha on the label. It happens to be that that particular hashkacha is the KVH, the Vada Abundant of Boston. That's who gives hashkacha on the cereals with a K. There are other products that Kellogg's makes with a K that are under somebody else and that are not on, from the KVH. And I believe they have gelatin in them, and I believe that they're not recommended, the other ones. In addition, I have right here in my Kashrus Monthly for June, which is going out in the day, this week, hopefully, it says here that the Orthodox Union certifies Kellogg's Special K White Fudge Dips Pretzels. So it's not, the spe- it's not the Special K from Kellogg's, but it's a pretzel that somehow is in coordination with the Kellogg's, and it's called Kellogg's Special K White Fudge Dip Pretzels. It's an OUD product. Unfortunately, some of the packages forgot to put the D on. It's, it just says OU, but it's a dairy product. So here it's like really confusing. I have the Kellogg's K, uh, Special K product that is under an OU, and then I see a K on the other packaging. Is that really the OU too? The answer is no, it's not. It's a KVH if it's a cereal, and if it's not a cereal, if it's some of the... Um, the other nashas, it may be somebody else, and it may have gelatin in. Okay, next Thank caller. You. We have plenty of callers here. Okay, you're on. Kashrus on the air. Can I help you? Yes, hi. Um, uh, I would like to know if there's anything... I heard recently that there might be something wrong with frozen corn. Okay, be, so uh, we, we went through this uh, at length two weeks ago, and I believe it was two weeks ago. We had Rabbi David Goldstein on. You should definitely listen to that tape. We didn't do it in person, and we didn't do it live with, 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 a, with a television camera. But you can get it from the archives, jrootradio.com. You can go into the archives for Kashrus magazine, Kashrus on the air, I'm sorry, and look two weeks ago, whatever that date was, and it should be that show from W.W. Goldstein goes through the whole topic, everything about vegetables and fruits, what you have to check and, and not. The answer is... Uh, Kellogg, the corn on the cob, we, except for the mini, the, the baby corn we use, corn on the cob, whether frozen uh, or fresh, we don't use, but we don't recommend. Okay? Uh-huh. Thank you very much. Okay. Another Thank caller, you. go ahead. You're on catch on the air. Go ahead, please. Oh, yeah. Um, can I ask you about, about Dunkin' Donuts? Yes, go ahead. Um, like, what, what, what's the problem? If I only hold a cozy throw... Like, what, what would be your problem? Well, bishalakum. And my position is that, that the donuts are, are called cooked because they're fried. So I okay. consider bishalakum. And the other, the other concern is that there's no mashkiach, and uh, they only come in once every couple of weeks. And they have been found many times using non-kosher products in their, uh, in their ovens. How about the coffee? Not something else. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have any problem drinking the coffee there. Like the the ones that have ashkacha, the stores that have ashkacha, the stores right. that don't have ashkacha, I would tell you that you have to be, you have to know whether they're producing. Non, if there's no non-kosher products in the store, 
that are, uh, in a regular non-kosher products, then maybe it's not a problem if they're washing it with that. Uh, you have to know how much. You have to know whether that's considered to be like a big restaurant or a small restaurant. I, I can't go into the topic now. We've done it before. If you want, you can call me at three three six seven eight five four four. We can discuss it further. Seven one eight three three six eight five four four. I do have to end the show shortly, so I'm sorry I can't discuss it okay, longer. Fine. Thank okay, you thank you for the call. I just want to end off by offering again. We have another caller? Okay, we'll take it. You got how many minutes I got? Okay, give me time. Give me time. Go ahead. No, okay, one more caller. Go ahead. Go ahead, Lisa. Hello. Oh, yeah, you're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, yes, I am. I, I just wanted to know I, regarding Bishul uh, Akum, um, uh, I know I know this. I'm sure the rabbi also notices uh, a lot of the products that we have in, in the market. They write on it Bishul Israel, but uh, but it's as as the rabbi knows, it's misleading because according to Sfardim, it doesn't satisfy the. Well, that's not the, called the, misleading. I mean, that's the old question. You know, what? How are we going to set up kashrut? We're going to set up kashrut for the Sfardim or for the Ashkenazim. These are Sfard, these are Ashkenaz organizations, and they can call it Bishul Israel. If it's a Svartic organization, they have, like you said, there's some Svartic organizations, they have to make Bishri Yisrael for Svartim. You're right. But you can't expect the, uh, the Ashkenazim to incorporate the Svartim in the Ashkacha. It's still the Svartim of minority in America regarding the, the, the Ashkenazim. In Israel, it's a different story, and in many ways they try to address the, uh, address the Svartim over there. Thank you very much for the call. We're going to no, Rabbi, I'm sorry, just one second. No, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is, is very simple. They should just try Bishul Israel according to the Ramah. So this way, the Sfardim won't be misled, because a lot of them, they think when, it's, when it says Bishul Israel, they think it's also for the Sfardim. Uh, I want to ask you something. You're going to have to have the, now you're going to have to have the, uh, the Sfardim also do that, because I, I mentioned on this show, and, I, and you should know it, that the, that the, the Hashgachas here in Brooklyn that are the Svartic Ashkachas, do not be do Bishri Yisrael for the products that are pre- produced in the store. What comes in in a package, they use even if it's not Bishri Yisrael for Svartim. They claim Bishri Yisrael for Svartim to you because they do it on the, on the, on the fresh stuff in the store, and they're in the restaurant or at the catering. But the stuff that comes in packages, they use the regular thing with the Ramor. Even though they claim to you it is Bishri Yisrael for Svartim. So I, that's a topic we have to discuss another time. Thank you very much. We have to go now. We have another minute. I just want to remind everybody, if they'd like to get free a 2014 Kosher Travel Guide, 136 pages, call us at 718-336-8544 or email us at kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. We'll put you in for a one-year subscription. If you decide you don't want to continue the subscription, you'll get your full money back anytime between now and the end of the summer. So call us, 718-336-8544, and have a wonderful week. We'll speak next week.